0: This is Optimal Startup Daily, episode 969, Why It's a Blessing Not to Work 996, part one, by Dr. Jenny Brockus of drjennybrockes.com. And I'm Dan, your host, and welcome back to Optimal Startup Daily, or welcome for the first time if you're just discovering the show. This is where I simply read articles to you every day, articles covering business and entrepreneurship and related topics, so, today's post is a little bit longer than normal, which means I'll be reading the first half for you right now, and then I'll finish up the rest tomorrow. So, let's get right to part one from Dr. Jenny as we optimize your life. Why it's a blessing to not work 996, part one, by Dr. Jenny Brockus of drjennybrockus.com. Counting our blessings is a wonderful way to enhance our appreciation for what we have, When we feel grateful, we elevate our mood, lower stress levels, and feel more calm, confident, and capable. While the choices we make around how we live and work are unique to us, we're also highly influenced by societal and cultural norms. It's been estimated we spend about a third of our lives at work, and unless you're self-employed, it's a contractual arrangement. You are employed to perform a number of tasks for which you receive a paycheck. Sometimes we love the work we do, sometimes we don't sometimes we're asked to do overtime, and sometimes there's a culture of expectation to put in the extra effort and hours as a way of demonstrating your commitment to the cause and worthiness of being considered for promotion. There's just one problem. Overwork doesn't work. Studies have shown how working beyond 55 hours a week adds little, if anything, to productivity. It seems that 40 hours is the optimal amount. Not only that, overwork can lead to significantly poorer mental and physical health. John Pencavel from Stanford found that overwork provides insufficient time for individuals to restore and recover, meaning subsequent work performance suffers. Which is why, when I read the reports of Jack Ma, the billionaire founder of Alibaba, extolling the virtues of working 996, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., six days a week, as a huge blessing for Chinese workers, I was aghast frustrated, and above all, angry. Because overwork is killing people. Think I'm exaggerating? Sadly, not. In 2016, the Xinhua News Agency reported how 600,000 Chinese workers die each year from spending too much time on their jobs. Gualaosi is the Chinese term for death from overwork, and in China, unsafe and excessive working hours sadly remain widespread. Many of these deaths are not reported on, though the death of a 31-year-old Chinese surgeon, Fang Peihu in the Anhui province was. His adoption of overworking practices over an eight-year period being upheld as a virtuous example for others. His death led to a backlash where other medical practitioners condemned the practice. The culture of overwork is not new and is certainly not limited to China. Karoshi is the Japanese term for death from overwork commonly due to heart attack, stroke, or suicide. In a previous blog, I wrote about how one in five Japanese workers were identified in a 2015 government survey as being at risk of death by overwork. If 20% of the overworking population is truly at risk of death from overwork, how can that ever be conceived of as a prerequisite for success? Recognizing the seriousness of the problem, the Japanese government is now taking steps to introduce work interval reforms and are considering a mandatory annual five-day holiday. Are you too tired to think? It's easy to feel a certain smugness in the Western world, that that type of overwork is not condoned. But of course, we have been just as guilty. As a junior doctor working in the NHS in the 1980s, it wasn't uncommon to be working the dreaded one-two, where you were on call every second night. Here you worked your usual day shift, then stayed at work on call all night, often getting little or no sleep, followed by another normal work day, before finally getting home for a night in your own bed. It's a wonder we didn't either kill our patients or ourselves in the process. The level of sleep deprivation here is frightening, especially in light of understanding how this impacts our ability to think, make decisions, and process information quickly. Once we have been awake for 17 hours, our level of cognition drops to the level equivalent to having a blood alcohol reading of 0.05. The death of 21-year-old Bank of America intern Moritz Erhardt in 2013 after working 72 hours straight, caused ripples in the global finance industry, where the culture of working 15-hour days and pulling all-nighters had been seen as normal for ambitious interns keen to make a mark and get a full-time position. As a result, Goldman Sachs made a move towards addressing this by imposing a ban on working between midnight and 7 a.m. Sounds good, doesn't it? Until you realize that still allows for a 17-hour working day doesn't take into account travel time to and from your place of work, downtime with partners and family, and time to sleep. The luxury being afforded here is around five hours sleep a night. Wonderful. Not. We do our best work when refreshed and re-energized with sufficient downtime to eat, sleep, and relax. Working hard to achieve a positive income is not without its merits but this is about recognizing when to stop and acknowledge our physiological and psychological limits. Being told you can only expect success by sacrificing your health, family, and your life for work is a blatant untruth. It's time to get smarter about how we work and abandon the wrong idea that you can only achieve success by working yourself into an early grave. It's about doing less to achieve more. Challenging time-wasting procedures and inefficiencies and seeking to innovate new and better ways of functioning. To be continued. You just listened to part one of the post titled Why It's a Blessing Not to Work 996 by Dr. Jenny Brockes of drjennybrockes.com. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com startup. So just go to indeed.com slash startup right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash startup. Terms and conditions apply. I thank you to Dr. Jenny for sharing this post. As a keynote speaker, she has presented to and worked with thousands of people. To empower them to cultivate their own thriving mind. What gets her out of bed in the morning is the opportunity to impact someone else's world, seeing that spark of insight in their eyes when they see what they can do for themselves. As a voracious reader and prolific writer, she continues to indulge her curiosity and has just published her fourth book, titled Thriving Mind, How to Cultivate a Good Life. And as a board-certified lifestyle medicine physician and best-selling author, her vision is to enable everyone to be a happy, thriving human. And her site has tons to offer, so please do check it out at drjennybrockis.com. That's D-R-J-E-N-N-Y-B-R-O-C-K-I-S dot com. But that does it for today. I hope you enjoyed part one of this post, and like I said, I will be back here tomorrow with part two. So I'll see you there, where your optimal life awaits.